I will tell you the majority of times the young ladies have been manipulated. The trafficker or the pimp, they're one and the same. They will make all of these girls believe that they're their boyfriend and they love them most and they're going to take all this money they're making one day and they're going to run away and live happily ever after. And of course, happily ever after is not going to come. Send Relief missionary Kay Bennett has been reaching out to the homeless, the down and out, and the least of these in New Orleans for 30 years. But a few years ago, she was surprised to learn that these people, the ones she'd been ministering to for so many years, were the most likely to be trafficked. You may have grown up in a domestic violence situation. There may have been sexual abuse uh, at an early age. You may live in poverty. You may be a runaway. You may be a throwaway. Uh, Various things can happen to folks or children at a young age, and it makes them vulnerable. Stories of Hope is a podcast about people who meet needs and change lives. In this episode, Kay Bennett and the Friendship House are plucking boys, girls, young men, and young women right out of the jaws of one of the most vicious and profitable trades in our country. A warning. Some of the content in this episode is graphic and may not be suitable for young ears. This is Stories of Hope from Send Relief, Episode 18, Happily Ever After. It's a big issue here in New Orleans, and you can visually go down to Bourbon Street, especially on a late Friday night, Saturday night, and if you open your eyes and you look, you can see what's going on. New Orleans is a hot spot for lots of things. Trafficking is at the top of Kay Bennett's list. It makes sense when you're part of a national anti-trafficking network, when you work with law enforcement almost every day pulling young people off the streets, and when you meet the people Kay meets. It's just something I always loved, California. Drea was born in New Orleans, but when she turned 17 and was not getting along with her mom, she scraped up what money she'd saved and headed west. By the time she got to Los Angeles, those savings had just about run out. And basically I got to the point that I didn't want to call any of my family or I didn't want to call my mom and I didn't want anyone to say, oh, you're, they were right. And I'm like, I'm gonna be okay, I'll be fine. The next thing that happened to Drea is so cliche, it would be thrown out of any believable movie script. But for her, it was real life. She was 17, and she didn't know what a pimp was. I met this guy, he was just so sweet and nice, and he was well-dressed and well-mannered and well-spoken. So he was like, I can help you. I'm gonna show you a way to make money, and I'm gonna protect you, and you're gonna be fine. That's like kind of when my life kind of really changed. His true color started to come out within like hours. So he like took what I had, you know what I mean? That was the first, should have been my first sign that something was wrong. The next thing Drea knew, she was working as a prostitute in one of LA's roughest neighborhoods. And I stayed out and I was nervous and cars would pull up and and I did really good my first night. Unbelievable, I did really good. And he was like, keep it up, yeah, that's what daddy like. And oh yeah, you gotta call me daddy. The pimp built a twisted facade. The place where he and six to a dozen girls stayed was her family and folks. The other girls were her wifeys, and the pimp, of course, was her daddy. So I basically had to learn the ropes. I had to learn the lingo. I had to learn to protect myself. I had to learn to basically check cars before I would get into them. There were a lot of broken promises in Drea's relationship with her daddy. 
One of his last came when she got into a car with someone who threatened to kill her. Her only escape was to jump out of a moving car. And I called my folks, well, AKA my daddy, and I told him what happened. And he was like, the first thing he asked me, you got all my money? He didn't ask me, was I okay? And I was bleeding and I had blood on me everywhere. He told me, you're supposed to go through things so daddy can have certain things. You're supposed to go through things. At least you got away. You was one of the lucky ones. And he was laughing and kicking. And then that's when I realized he didn't really care about me. I don't want to say I came immune to certain things or thought that I was supposed to be treated this way or I was supposed to, if I didn't listen, I would get beaten or I just, it kind of came became a custom and something that I kind of was basically, okay, it's going to happen. After a couple of years, Drea had had enough. She left the life and came back home to live with her mom. But when old conflicts cropped back up, she called Kay Bennett. And I reached out and, um, Miss uh, Kay asked me, was I in a safe place? And I told her I was at my mom's or whatever, but I can't stay there that long because I really couldn't. And they, they helped me. I remember going and picking her up. I think she was scared. She was hurt. I think she had tried to build a relationship back with her mom. She needed a time away where healing could take place in her life. Drea moved into Friendship House and Kay and her staff began to work with her. They helped her finish her high school degree. Things were finally moving in a positive direction. And then the life called her back. I'm not gonna sit here and paint a pretty picture. It breaks your heart when you reach out and you pour your life and invest into others and they go back into that situation again, it hurts. Basically, after I got my high school diploma and stuff and I went back out to California and I did what I did and I met the people I met and I got into more trouble in situations, but they never like gave up on, on me or they like really still reach out and help me or make sure I'm okay and that, that meant a lot. So when things got hard in California, Drea came back. But after a while, she left again. Plant these seeds, you let the good Lord water them, and each time they come back, they move a little bit further. I done reconnected with them like three times. I'm gonna be honest, about three times. And like I said, they never judged me and they never gave back up, up on me. The third time back was the final time. That was several years ago. Now, Drea is married, has a daughter, and has started college. But most importantly, she's found Jesus. Now Drea has a real family. Meeting physical and emotional needs and intellectual needs, social needs, those are all very important. But the most important need is always the spiritual need. That's where change takes place. That's where God begins to work in your life and bring healing and make you feel whole again. And even though it's the hardest ministry I've ever done and it can seem overwhelming, I realize that you reach people one at a time and Dre is one of those persons and to every person you reach, it matters to them. When you see a life change like that and a life saved, there's nothing more fulfilling. If I wouldn't have met Miss Kay in the Friendship House, I probably just would have still been living that type of lifestyle, dealing with people that didn't know my worth. And I probably wouldn't have knew my worth. And like, I'm just glad they exist. So now I don't feel like they're my friends or anything. It's like they're my family. And I love them. I actually could say I love them. This has been Stories of Hope from Send Relief, Episode 18, Happily Ever After. 
To learn more about how you and your church can minister in the area of human trafficking or to hear more from Send Relief missionary Kate Bennett, go to sendrelief.org. If you enjoyed this episode of Stories of Hope, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people find us and enjoy it too. And join us in two weeks for another episode of Stories of Hope.